You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, as a pastor all these many years, I, I want to try to be an encouragement and a help to you in the moment in which we live. I want to come to you on this thought, and I'll get to the message, but let me be negative first. Sometimes it feels like to me, and it must feel this way to you, although I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news since the election in 2020. I've not seen any news on any TV. I, I have a phone and it pops up news. I, I can see some articles, but I'm not a news watcher. It's too depressing to me. It's too discouraging. I don't want anything to, uh, these are, I don't know, I'm going to live two more years or ten more years, but whatever it is, I don't want my, these days of my life, I don't want them filled with anxiety and discouragement. But I hear enough, and I see enough. It seems like at times it's hopeless. It seems like because of the godless leaders and the vile sins of our country in this world, it's, it seems like it's just totally impossible. There's no hope. My phone popped up an article and I, I, I read the first paragraph or so and it just disgusted me. Uh, the, the president said this week, uh, I am the most white, uh, non-whiteness president with my cabinet in America's history. Why do we have to bring color or age, anything into it? You know, that's why the church is the only hope. The church does not magnify, okay, we've got X amount of this color and X amount of this color, X amount of this people from this country. I pastor uh, uh, the most wonderful church in the world. There's approximately 70 plus first generation countries in this auditorium right now, every Sunday. I won't have it any other way. I love it. Red, yellow, black, brown, white. According to the Bible, they're all precious in His sight. What a thing to say. What a divisive thing to say. He went on to say in that first paragraph or so, I have more women in my cabinet leadership position than men. Why would you say that? He said, I have seven transgenders and so, he, I use the word sodomites to keep a Bible in my cabinet more than anybody ever. I, I, what are we trying to do here? To think that that sacred house that we built, that sacred office, the Oval Office, those sacred halls. I, I recall the one time a few years ago I went to Congress and had opening prayer, and I tell you, when I, when I went and approached that where the president speaks and the speaker of the house the chair right behind me and held opening prayer, it was a moving moment to be in those sacred halls. 
Two times, I, the, uh, one time I met personally with the uh, president for a, a long time with about 70, 80 other preachers, and we sat for about two and a half hours, and just, uh, I was six feet away from the president. Just, it was just awe-inspiring. I want you to know when I sat at a prayer breakfast I was invited to by one of our congressmen twice and sat there and, and I heard our president, heard the, 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 the chaplain, uh, chaplain of, the, uh, of the Senate and the House and the Supreme, and I heard him preach, preach with power. Boy, I tell you what, it was exciting. It, it seems like it's hopeless. It seems like what are my kids going to be raised in? It seemed like in Daniel's time, a day of impossibility. Where's God? Daniel was a teenager. The king came in and because he was a young man that knew languages and sciences, the Bible says, and very brilliant, they stole him with some other Hebrew children, Jews, and stole him and brought him to another country. Daniel never saw his mother and dad after that moment. He was a teenager, but you get later in the book, he's 90 years of age, and he's in a den of lions. He had every opportunity to do wrong. Mother and dad would not know. His pastor, he didn't have a pastor, but he, if he had a he, pastor, wouldn't have known. Nobody would have seen him. He didn't have family around him. And yet the king said, you're going to drink my wine. He said, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's meat or wine. He has some conviction. So here he is, a, I'll use the word prisoner of war never gets back home. It's an awful situation. The Jews are in captivity. And, and all of a sudden, this king, he dreams a dream. And he dreamed this dream, and he woke up in the morning, trouble, his sleep was taken from him. He woke up just nervous as could be about this dream. And in the morning, he said, I cannot remember the dream. And so he said, I want to get you, I want to get all the wise men, the, the, the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers. Sorcerers are demon worshipers. I want to get them all together. And I want you to tell me, not the interpretation, I want you to tell me what I dreamed. My goodness, <laughs> no man could do that. They said, King, we can tell you the interpretation, but you have to tell us the dream. And he said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I don't know the dream. You're going to tell me the dream. He said, I want, he got upset. His fury and rage got so mad. He says, I want all these wise men, all these sorcerers, all these astrologers, all these, uh, the, these, these men that have these sciences. I want them all destroyed. Kill every one of them. In comes Daniel in this terrible day. Impossibility. He walks in to see the king. He got permission. He said, King, you're asking a very difficult thing to happen. These men, by the way, those men that he's going to kill were heathens. Daniel could have said, good, good, good. He's going to kill them. I do not want our president killed. I don't want a congressman hurt. How could you be so heartless? I don't want to see another a child by a drive by shooting hurt, or a mother, or a dad, or anyone. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see people that that have a different lifestyle than me killed and uh, abused and hurt. What 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 are you thinking about? 
There's a place called heaven. There's a place called hell. And if you die without Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity in hell. The Bible says it's appointed to men once to die and after this, the judgment. You and I all know the date of our birth, but we don't know what the last number is going to be on that tombstone. I don't know if the last number would be 23 or 24 or 67. No, it's not going to be 67. But I do know that there's coming a day if the Lord tarries that there's going to be a tombstone out here in Santa Clara with my beginning date and my end date. And while I have this little dash in between those two days, I don't want to mess this thing up. I, I want to be a man that truly loves people, cares for people, cares for children and teenagers, cares for drug addicts, cares, cares for people that their lifestyles are different than the Word of God. They all have an eternal soul. And they have to be rescued. And I have no more right to be rescued as God rescued me than they, uh, they have as much right to be rescued as I. So Daniel come in as a king, you're asking a hard thing. In fact, you're asking in an impossible thing. Notice what the Bible says. I want you to go back to chapter two, verse one. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamed a dream where his spirit was troubled and his sleep break within him. And the king commanded to call the magicians, the astrologers, and the sorcerers. So they came and stood before the king. The king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream. My spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spake the Chaldeans to the king in Sirach, which is just the language of the day from Syria. O king, live forever. Tell the, servant, the servants the dream. and We will show you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. Verse six, but if you show me the dream, the interpretation of, you shall receive my gifts, reward, great honor. And the answer said, let the king tell his servants the dream. And the king answered, verse eight, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Verse 11, it is a rare thing that the king requireth. There's none other that can show thee before the king except the gods. They're still not willing to recognize there is a God. For this cause, the king was angry, very furious, and he commanded to destroy all the wise men in Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Verse 15, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Daniel went in, verse 16, desired the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. And Daniel went to his house, and he made known the thing to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, isn't it amazing when you can go for the oxidine? I'm so glad I can come to you and people on the staff and people in the deacons and ushers and church members. I'm so glad I can come and pray with people. Well, we had a great prayer meeting last night downstairs in the auditorium with the men. Oh, it was such a wonderful time. 
and hearing men sing and hearing men give requests and hearing men pray. It was just such a wonderful time. I'm glad I can pray with people. I'm glad I get to pray with my wife at night. I'm, I'm so glad I get to pray with people on a daily basis. And Daniel said, I, 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 I'm not going to go this journey alone. I need some Christian friends. Friend, I just want to insert here in this day in which we live, you're not going to make it on your own. You and your remote is not enough. You and your cell phone is not enough. You need God's people. That's why this book, and thank you so much for compiling it and all you write. Thank you for giving us. It's going to inspire you to read how God brought people to Christ whose lives were changed. I, I, I can't believe that a, a chief and his dear wife, I can't believe that Brother Van Dyke was saved. Jackie got saved that week on a Thursday. I just can't believe that, that, that someone as amazing as them uh, even needed to get saved. But they did. She did. And they know as well as I, they're not old enough to be our parents, but we've adopted them. My, my wife always calls Sister Jackie Mama Dyke. Van Dyke, God sent you into our hearts, into our lives. My life would not be what it is without the Van Dykes. I'm so thankful for Christian people. Amen. Don't ever let a wedge come between you and your church and become you and your pastor and you and your family. And, and relative. Be, be careful of all that stuff. All, be careful. We are living in the last days, the last moments. I see that they began to pray, and Daniel went to his house, made the thing known. Verse 18, that they would desire mercy. Is it a long introduction? I'll get there quickly. Watch it. Verse 19, and the secret was revealed in the night vision. There's nothing wrong with being awakened at night and get up and try to walk with God. I'm awakened often at nights, and I try to walk with God. And I must tell you, sometimes when I'm walking with God, and I'm, I'm, by that I mean I'm sitting in a chair many times, or in prayer, next thing I know, I'm snoring. And I fall asleep. But I won't, when God won't allow me to sleep in the night hour, I, I, a lot of times, that's why I love it when you sit in the same place, that you don't have to, but I can come through this area, and I say, okay, front row. Here we have the Jacobs. And in my mind, I know where folks sit. Lord, I didn't see so-and-so here Sunday. They sit in the chair. Where were they? Lord, I want you to pray. I'm praying, God, you'll bring them back. You know what? God's people are so important. God wakes you up in the middle of the night. Maybe, maybe it's because your grandson or granddaughter, different time zone, maybe there's 3 o'clock in the morning here. Maybe where they are, it's 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. They're on their way to work or whatever. And maybe God's waking up to pray for their safety as they travel to their place of employment, traveling on the roads. You know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I would hope, I would hope, I, I don't know if this could ever happen, but I would hope that in heaven it's revealed that your pastor could not sleep or some godly man or woman could not sleep and they got up and that night they were praying for your protection and God that night protected you from some real awful danger. I wonder what happened. I wonder who the person was. Uh, what was it, 1977 when a man met me in my office at 10 o'clock at night and put a gun in my face right over here at Clyde Avenue. 
And they said, God has sent me here to kill you. I wonder here in this church, on that night, I can go back to the night my wife and I could go look it up today. I wonder who was praying for me that night. It's a fearful thing when a man's three feet away and puts a gun in your face and says, God has sent me here to kill you. No one around, no cell phones. I wonder that night in October of 1977, I wonder who was praying. And I get to heaven, I'll find out someone in another state or another area, another pastor, another friend, God's people are here praying that God, I, I, pray to, I don't know what the need is in pastor's life tonight. I don't know what the need is in Mrs. Trevor's life. Maybe you spared her from being a widow that night. God revealed to Daniel the night hour. And he says, King, Daniel's going to say the Verse 21, he changes the times and season. He removes kings and he sets kings up. He reveals deep secret. He said, King, you're, you're in your control right now. He doesn't know, but in chapter 4, verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar, and he's going to tell him later, Nebuchadnezzar is going to go to the field and live like an animal for seven years with the dew on his back at night and in the wet fields of the grass and he's going to live out there for seven years. And God's going to put him out there until he humbles his heart. And the Bible says in the end of chapter 4 that, De that Nebuchadnezzar humbled his heart. God resists the proud. God's in control. He said the king's, yeah, we know that later says king's heart's in the hand of the Lord, but he says I, he raises up kings and he brings them down. And verse 23, I, I thank thee and I praise thee, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and might. And he said, destroy not the wise men, verse 24. And Daniel, Daniel comes to him, verse 26, that we read in 27. And we get to our text and our message, and it won't be long now. The Bible says, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. I want to speak in these last few moments on there is a God in heaven. Children of Israel, Exodus 14, you're shut in. You get to the Red Sea and you thought you were home free, but guess what? Now all of a sudden Pharaoh is pursuing you. He's coming this way and, and the, the water is shut you in on this side, this side, and the water in front of you, there's no bridge there. You're not going to get out. You talk about impossible, but there is a God in heaven. And that God in heaven says, I'm going to open up that sea and the Jews are going to go through and Pharaoh's going to follow you and they're going to drive those chariots in there and the wheels are going to get stuck in the water because there is a God in heaven and God drowned them that day. Why? There's a God in heaven. I think of the worldwide flood because of the violence and corruption and the wickedness of mankind. God had an old preacher for over 100 years build a boat called the ark. As far as we know, what we can see through imagery, it's stuck in the snow-covered area of Turkey today where they just had the earthquake above that. And that ark is there. And a man by the name of Noah took his wife and family inside, two by twos, and all of a sudden they laughed, they scoffed every day, every week, every month, every decade, every multiple, entire century plus. And all of a sudden he moved his family in there. 
I wonder when we see that ark, if we'll see that they tried to get in and see the axes or whatever they did and tools. We got to get in it and it's too late. God shut the door. Why? Because there is a God in heaven. I'm thinking today of the Jews. We're out here in this wilderness. We're hungry. God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to supply you manna. I'll get you bread every day, every day of your life. And they did it for every day, six days of the week. On the seventh, they gathered for the next day, and it did not spoil, and they ate for 40 years. How'd that happen? Well, because we started a food program in the country. No, I remember when LBJ, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, started that, that, that the welfare program in 64. Three or four, I think I said it recently. And he said, uh, in, in 10 years, there'll be no hungry people and no, 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 no problem in this, no poverty. And it, it's just going to cost us X amount of dollars. And he said, 10 years, this can be gone. Well, we're not doing very well, are we, LBJ? God fed him for 40 years from heaven. Why? Because there is a God in heaven. I believe in today of Elijah, and Elijah was facing a wicked king, a wicked president, and his name was, was Ahab, and Ahab was so against Elijah, and he wanted to kill Elijah, and all of a sudden they said, let's have a contest here on Mount Carmel, and on Mount Carmel, there are 450 prophets of Baal tried to call fire down from heaven, and, and, then, he, and then they saw it wasn't successful, Elijah said, let me try. And he said, I want you to fill, I want you to build a trench and I want you to put water, barrels of water on all the altar. And he said, now, Lord, there's a God in heaven. Need fire, please. And the fire came and consumed not only the, the altar and the, and the wood and, and the stones, but licked up all the water. It's gone. Why? Because there is a God in heaven. You say, but there's an evil man in this office or this office, or our church is getting weak. Well, our churches are getting weak, and America's getting weak, and our economy is getting weak, and the gasoline prices are going up, and all of this stuff, but there is a God in heaven. Three, you three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you would not bow to my image. I'm throwing you to the fire. And they threw them into the fire, and those that threw them in, they were burned. And there's three men in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king said, did we throw three men in the fire? They said, we did. And I see four, and the fourth one is like the Son of God. Why? Because there's a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. Daniel in the den of lions sleeping. He said to this lion, Oh, I wish I had time. You'd be the lion. I'd put you right down here, and I'd lay down. And, 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 and he's laying down there, snoring away. And the lions were having a good day. And it wasn't just a lion, because it's called a den of lions. And they're all around him. And that lion, where he had his head as a pillow, is sleeping away. What's why he'd wake up with their snoring, roaring. And he'd say, hey, fellas, call, calm down. I'm trying to sleep tonight. And the morning the king opened it up and said, oh, Daniel, Daniel, I wish I, hey, king, I'm down here. Bring him up. Bring him up. God shut the, lion, the mouths of the lions. Why? Because there is a God in heaven. Yeah. 
God did it yesterday. God did it last year. God did it last decade. God did it 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago. God can do it again. There's a crazy man. Government tried to help him. People tried to help him. Mark 5. They chained him to the tombs in the graveyard. He pulled his clothes off. He was naked. He had cut himself. He'd scream. He'd howl. And they would take him food and care for him. And then one day Jesus stopped by. And he saved his sorry soul. And the Bible says when he was sitting next to Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, they're now afraid of him. They're afraid of him. And, they, and then the crazy man said, Jesus, I want to stay with you. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, you stay right here in Decapolis. And a year later, and he goes, tell everybody, tell everybody what God hath done for you. And he started telling everybody. The barber, you know, I've told you that before. The meat man at the meat market told everybody. Got a haircut. And told everybody. Went to get him a suit of clothes. Told everybody what God had done. A year later, Jesus showed up. In the same city that said, we want you out of our city, a year before, they came back and multitudes said, preach to us. Why? There's a God in heaven. Peter's in jail, Acts 12. 47 years ago was the first thing I ever said in this church on a Sunday morning in February. Acts chapter 12. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. He's asleep. The angel of the Lord opened, woke him up, get up. And he went and he get to those iron doors that did not have three and one oil on them. They, they opened of their own accord. Must have been the squeaking and all that business. And he walked out and he got on the other side of the jail and he wakes up. I just broke out of jail. And he went, it's an amazing thing. He went to the house where they were praying. And a little girl by the name of Rhoda answers the door. I said, Peter, that's you. It's me. She went back and said, hey, we're praying. We're praying for Peter. He's out front. They said, you're mad. You cl- you've lost your mind. He kept knocking. And he's out of prison. And he starts next day preaching. They said, what, 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 this Peter guy, what, what's, he was in jail last night. What's he doing? He said, he's preaching on the streets. Why? Because there's a God in heaven. All I'm saying is this week, I want you to leave here quote those seven words to you all week long. There's a God in heaven. So when you get laid off this week, there's a God in heaven. So when we have a car accident this week, and I'm not hoping for that, but there's a God in heaven. When we have disagreements in our home, there's a God in heaven. When the doctor tells us news we don't want to hear, there's a God in heaven. When it seems like I'm not in my prayers answered, there's a God in heaven. When it seems I'm so discouraged with myself, there's a God in heaven. When I'm losing my sleep at night and I'm, I'm, I'm just restless, there's a God in heaven. You say, but we have so many needs. There's a God in heaven. And here, Daniel had an impossible situation. There's a God. There's a God in heaven. The tribulation, we're gonna find out there's a God in heaven. He's got it all in control. This whole crazy world which we live in, waiting for the rapture, there's a God in heaven. He's going to send his son soon. Observation, and I'll be done. God is in heaven. And he's looking down, First, Second Chronicles 16, verse number 9, and his eyes are going to and fro. He's looking, who can I bless? May he stop by your house and say, that man is a man of God. I'm going to bless his home. 
That lady is a Proverbs 31 lady. I'm going to bless her home. Those kids are obedient. I want to stop by and bless their home. That pastor's, I hope, is a man of God. I'm going to bless his church because there's a God in heaven. He sees everything. He knows everything. He's all, uh, he's omniscient. He sees it all. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. You see him. He's there. I see, secondly, the observations of this God in heaven. This God is preparing to send his son. Only God the Father knows the time, and he's going to say, Son, go get my children. Because there's a God in heaven. I find, thirdly, that God's going to deliver us because 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, he has not appointed us unto wrath. You can go through the tribulation if you want, but I'm not going. God never pours his wrath on his children. God deals with us, yes. But his wrath is not against his own children. Oh, shepherd would pour his wrath out on a sheep. I find number four, not only is there a God in heaven and God's preparing to send his son and God is going to deliver us, but I want you to know that God always wins. Did you hear that, Nebuchadnezzar? Seven years coming to be feeding with the beast in the field for seven years. You're living in the palace now, but you're going to go to the fields for seven years until your, your heart breaks and your knee bows to God. Well, I'm having everybody bow to me. I'm going to kill who I don't want. Yeah, yeah, but I know Nebuchadnezzar because God, you're going to bow your knee to him because there's a God in heaven. I, I know God's people go through such difficult situations. I hear about it not every week, every day. But I want to remind you all this week, there's a God in heaven. There's seven words as far as I remember on this pulpit right here. For the more you just recently remind me of that. Seven, right? There's nine. I'm sorry, there's nine. That's right. The middle word is he. For, for, he. He's the center of everything. He's the center of it all. What's your trial today? What's your fear today? We all have them. Last night, many nights this week, so sleepless. Why? Because of fear. Why? Because of heartbreak. Why? Because of people destroying their lives and not letting their shepherd help them at all. People making decisions that are foolish decisions, that are wrong decisions. People are going to hurt their family and hurt the cause of Christ. It, it, just, it just keeps me awake at night. You say, well, maybe if we got you some medicine. No. No, I think I'm supposed to be awake. There are people with such great needs. Mrs. Strove, you and Mrs. Trevor, your sweet brother that might be listening right now, just suffering with cancer. I remember him as a young, young man. Such a, I'll use the word cool dude, just such a, 
sharp man, handsome man, dressed, just such a good person. His life been so full of sorrow. His mother died young. His son had, they drilled into his brain to deal with things in big holes where he drilled into his brain. Going home from church is driving the car and his 23-year-old daughter in the front seat going down to turn down the Scott Road family road and a man hit from behind and she's trapped inside the car. They couldn't get to her. Jaws of death had to come. But she, his brother Rich turned to him and said, Dwayne, Jennifer's gone. Last check she wrote was to her home church, my father-in-law's church, her papa, grandpa's church, Brigham Baptist Church. Last check she wrote was to the house of God. I think of the sorrow he's had in his life. And now this, this avenue sorrow. I was preaching up in Washington this week at a big multi-state convention for young people. So many of the workers that are there are graduates or students that came to this college. And I'm talking to this, took a picture with this young couple and she's got cancer. You know how it goes with radiation, chemo, lost all her hair. One of our sweet little girls out of our church and out of our school. And it just breaks my heart to see that. Breaks my heart to see this young man, how the radiation has, has made his, all the side of his face numb and, and blackened his face and ear right here. There's a whole world. I, that, you see, that doesn't bother me. It keeps me up at night. And it should keep me up at night. You don't pastor people, love people without your heart being moved with compassion. I see prodigal sons and daughters and my heart aches. I can't get it out of my mind. I, I see things in homes that should never happen. Yes, it keeps me up. No, I'm not asking for sympathy. Maybe if you can take, I don't want that. God wants me up. And I find so often there's a God in heaven. Be not dismayed, whatever be time. God's going to take care of you. There's a God in heaven. I've been singing, Brother Martinez, we had time, we'd say, there is an unseen hand to me. It leads in ways I cannot see. While passing through this world of sin, that unseen hand's leading me home. Jack, I'll guide you this week. How can he guide me? Well, there's a God in heaven. Our Father, I love these people so much, and that hurts me to see all the different things they go through in life. And I know right now I'm preaching to myself. I've needed this text for several weeks now, and it's been musing in my heart. I know there's a God in heaven. I know, and God, you've been so good to me. When I worry, you remind me there's a God. When I fear, there's a God in heaven. I know nothing's going to touch me but that you have allowed it. Nothing touches me but it's passed through the hand of a heavenly father. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor, Brother Treber, I'm, I'm here. I have a special need in my heart today. I need to look to the, the God who's in heaven to help me. I won't call you out, but I'm sure there's, I'm certain there's hundreds and hundreds of names, uh, hands going to go up. Brother Treber, pray for me. I need to know there is a God in heaven. Would you lift me up?
in prayer, would you put your hand up? I'll not name your name. That's it. Hands going everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. God bless you. Sure, sure. Balcony, lower floor. Yes, God bless you. Sure, there is. When there's such uncertainty like in Daniel's eight, don't do, don't, don't make foolish decisions. Don't make rash decisions. Don't jump. Slow down. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.